Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Today we're in part 11 of Ephesians, and um, and I just want to walk through this. I'll jump into it really quick, but we're continuing this idea of submission. So let me jump in. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it starts like this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, thank you. Gosh, if there is ever a time to be a little bit Pentecostal, that was the moment, okay, people? <laughs> this is a verse that, that uh, even if you don't like Scripture, you might be writing this, painting this on your children's walls. Um, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And what it's saying is um, it's not so much shut up and do what I say, although we would like that sometimes. Uh, it really has more to do with our, our relationship, that there's obedience born out of relationship. And it's much easier to get your children to obey when they feel like you're invested in them, when they feel like you have their best interests at heart. But when there's a disconnection in the relationship, it makes that tougher. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about wives and husbands um, and that relationship and what that looks like. And I told you then that that was an ideal, that if, if a godly man will love his wife sacrificially and a godly woman will submit to the godly leadership in her home, that this is what God is, is painting for us. And this would be the same thing. The, the idea is that, that Parents will lead in a godly way with their children's best interest in mind, and then that children would naturally submit to their parents' authority and leadership and say, I know I can trust you, so I'm going to obey the direction you're giving me. In verse 2, it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so this is a quote from, from Exodus from uh, the commandments. And, and what it's saying is, um, honor your father and mother. And then there's a promise that says that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. I know in my family, if I did not honor my father, it would go badly with me and I would not live long in the land. Does that make sense to anybody? Um, so... That's how we lived at our house. Um, but there's a, there's a promise associated with this saying if you will display honor to your parents, then God will extend your life. God will bless your life. Your physical life is what it's saying. And the word honor is interesting here because uh, the word honor, it literally means to assign or fix a value. So when it says honor your father and mother, what it's really saying is you need to assign them a value. And if we're going to be honest, we assign people value all the time. You come into contact with people, and it's easy to assign a value based on how they look or how they speak or how they dress or what kind of car they drive or what neighborhood they live in, all those kind of things, maybe their ethnicity, what color their skin is. It's easy for us naturally to assign a value to people. And if we're going to be honest, we typically assign a lower value than we probably should. But what what we see here is Paul is saying to the Ephesian church, you know what you need to do? You need to honor your parents. You need to obey. So what he's saying is, children, obey your parents. Give honor to your parents. And this isn't relegated to small children. This is children. If you, if you are a child, does anybody here not have a parent? Okay, everybody was born of two human beings. Okay, good. So what it's saying is, if that's you, then you show honor to your parents. What it's saying is you assign value. And you might say, Mel, my parents didn't really take care, very good care of me. They didn't really love me. My parents were divorced. I never really knew my dad. My, my mom treated me this way. My dad treated me this way. And you might say, my parents aren't really worthy of honor. But this is what I would tell you that I know about honor. What we see in Scripture is that most of the time, honor is positional. It's not based on merit. 
So what it means is your parents have been put in a position of authority in your life. That doesn't mean you have to do everything they say because they might not be godly. So as you get older, you don't have to parent your kids the way your parents say you should because they might not be godly. But what you do have to do is honor them. You have to honor the position that they're in. You have to assign them a higher value than maybe you think they deserve because God has highly valued them. If you decided to sell a car, let's say you've got a, a classic. Classic. You've got a, a 1968 Gremlin. Some of you remember Gremlins, right? You got a 68 Gremlin. It's got a little bit of rust damage, right? It's, it's got, you know, 250,000 miles on it, although I don't know if a 68 Gremlin could actually go 250,000 miles, but you got some mileage on it. And you put it, you put it on eBay, and the starting price, $65,000. You're probably not going to sell that car, right? Why? Because you only know the value of something based on what someone else will pay, right? That's how you really know the value. So no matter what you say it's worth, it's only worth what someone else will pay. And some of you have looked at your own lives and you looked at the lives of the people around you and you have assigned value and said, they're worthless. I'm better than they are because they're not as educated. They're a different ethnicity, whatever it might be. And what we have to understand is there has already been a price that's been paid for them. See, God sent his only son, Jesus, to pay the price for them. He paid the highest price for them. And so what happens is when we assign a value that's different than the value God has put on them, we are devaluing the human beings around us. We're, we're saying, I don't need to love you the way God loves you. I don't need to see you the way God sees you. And that is contrary to what Scripture tells us. Well, we have to do here what Paul is saying to the Ephesian churches. We honor those around us. We assign a high value even if we don't feel like it. And let's be specific. We assign a high value to our parents even if we don't feel like it. Even if, if we can be honest, they were terrible parents. Not because they deserve it, but because God has positioned them in our lives. Sometimes God puts difficult leaders in our lives for us to grow, and sometimes he puts people in our lives so we can help them. But the truth is, God has positioned people in your life. Uh, did you know even Jesus was assigned a value? Um, so Judas, who betrayed Christ, uh, he betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. So the religious leader gave Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray Christ. He did. And then after Jesus was taken into custody and all the terrible things began to happen, Judas felt responsible. And so he went and took the 30 pieces of silver back. And he, uh, Scripture tells us he threw it at their feet because he was repentant. He felt bad for what he had done. And he subsequently actually took his own life. He hanged himself because of the grief that he had over the betrayal of his friend. Uh, and, and this fulfilled a prophecy from the book of Jeremiah. And this is what it says in Matthew 27, 9. It says, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set. Now, I want to stop right there. The phrase here, a price had been set, is the exact same word that we use for honor. So what we see here is, Judas assigned a value to Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus, you're worth 30 pieces of silver. That's how much you're worth. And he came to regret it. Whether we realize this or not, we assign values to people all the time. And I think when we misassign value based on how God sees them, we will come to regret it. If we're going to be honest, we assign the wrong value to Christ over and over and over. 
See, for, for many of us, we assign value to Christ based on what our lives look like. So if my life is going good, then I think God is okay. If my life is, is in turmoil, if I'm struggling, if the waves are lapping over the boat a little bit, then I start going, man, God, maybe you don't know what you're doing. Maybe I don't know if I can trust this Jesus guy. And we start assigning a lower value. That's where sometimes, if we can be honest, our church attendance goes down, our engagement in godly community goes down, because all of a sudden our value of Christ has changed based on our circumstance. And what we have to understand with honor is, yes, number one, we have to honor our parents, it's what's called for here. But we have to honor the people around us as well. We assign a high value because God has valued them highly. Let, let me move on. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm a provoker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mel, and I'm a provoker. You could probably see that, couldn't you, right? Um, so with my girls, I provoke my girls sometimes. And I do it in good fun. I don't do it to be evil. But uh, I think that's why God gave parents kids was to just have some fun with them, laugh at them sometimes. Right? Come on. So anyway, um, I'll give you a couple examples. Like my daughters are wired very differently. My oldest daughter, she, it just kind of rolls off her back a little bit. She doesn't really care. My youngest daughter, it, it irritates her. Like it really does. It provokes her. So my oldest daughter, I haven't done it as much this year, but last year I would come to pick her up from school. And when I would pull up, I would honk the horn, you know, just to get her attention. But I didn't just like beep, beep. <laughs> I would honk incessantly. Sometimes I just lay on the horn like, hey. Sometimes I would honk the horn to the beat of the music that I was listening to in the car. So it'd be like, hank, 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 hank. And so uh, it got to the point where Abby, Abby knew that I was there even if she wasn't outside yet because her friends would go, hey, Abby, your dad is here. But my daughter didn't seem to care. In fact, she'd rather embarrass me. And so she would skip to the car like she was a four-year-old child, like as big as she could. Like do do. It was almost like, I'll show you. You think you're going to embarrass me? I'm going to embarrass you. So she didn't really care. My youngest daughter, Emma, uh, so when I pick up Abby from school, Emma likes to walk home from the junior high. So I will uh, drive that route typically to get home. And uh, so I'll see Emma. And so Abby and I will be in the car. And Emma will be walking with a group of friends. And, um, and so I'll, I'll roll the window down, and we'll get a little closer, and I'll begin honking to Emma, too. And I'll come out of the window, like half of my body out the window, and I'll say, Emma, it's me, your dad. I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you. Be careful walking home. I love you. See you soon. And I do it on purpose. I know it's going to irritate her. And the scripture that I read here says I shouldn't do that anymore. It says, don't provoke your children. This is the thing I have to understand. I really shouldn't provoke my girls. I shouldn't do that. Because at the end of the day, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. I could justify it. You go, well, I'm helping them. I'm stretching them. I'm helping them get tough. Whatever it is. At the end of the day, I'm doing it because it's funny. That's why. <laughs> and it's not godly. It's selfish is what it is. And we're making light of this, but it's true. And, and what I have to understand is Scripture it flips this. It says, don't provoke your kids. But instead, it says, you bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. When I think of discipline, uh, the first thing I think of, and you might be the same way, is, is uh, corporal punishment. 
Okay. Now, I was disciplined when I was a kid. I grew up in Oklahoma, and in Oklahoma, they have spankings, and they have whoopings. <laughs> if you don't know the difference, I'm glad for you that you don't know the difference. Like, spankings were like, like entry level, you know, like no big deal. I'd walk away from that, and I'd have a little tear, like, <laughs> all right, you know. Whooping was like atomic warfare on my rear end is what happened. <laughs> Like, I'm not sitting down for a day or two probably after this bad boy, right? Like, big difference. That's not what it's talking about. What it's really talking about is um, correction. And let me be more specific. The, the, the literal definition is, uh, of, def, of discipline is cultivating the soul by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. So when we discipline our kids, it's not about punishment. It's not punitive. It's about correction. It's, it's about cultivating their souls. Sometimes as parents, we feel like we're doing our kids a favor when we, uh, when we let them do whatever they want. But one of the most important words that a parent can have in their vocabulary is the word no. Because when we enable our kids, when they are living however they want, when we think we're doing them a favor, when we don't correct our kids, what we're really doing is we're not cultivating their souls. But when we'll correct our kids in a loving way, in a loving, gentle, godly, biblical way, what we're really doing is cultivating their souls and helping them get to their chosen destination. If you had a GPS that continually took you to the wrong place, you'd throw the GPS away because it was faulty, right? <laughs> Every day you're saying, I want to go to the gym, and you keep ending up at the meadows, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with this GPS. <laughs> you might have a GPS like I do. Eventually, if you could never get to where you wanted to be, you'd go, something's wrong with this GPS. And what we have to see is um, one of our responsibilities as a parent is to help our kids get to the chosen destination. And if I refuse to correct, it's the same thing as the GPS going, oh, I don't want to offend them, so I'll just let them go with the direction they're going in. It's faulty. And so as parents, we have to understand it might hurt their feelings if we correct, but it's going to hurt them a lot worse if I don't correct. So what it's saying here is we discipline kids. We cultivate their souls through discipline. We cultivate their souls through correcting and through curbing passions. That's one of the things God has called us to. So we don't provoke our kids, but we invest in our kids through discipline, through correction. Ephesians 6, 5 says this, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Now the word bond servant here, because some people say, well, doesn't the Old Testament and New Testament, it seems like it, um, it endorses slavery. And, and really when you look at what this is in the context of the Roman Empire, it's much different than what we think of, uh, of slavery in the 17th and 18th centuries you see in Europe and the United States. Um, there were abuses of slavery uh, in Roman times, but there were most instances were not like we think of in 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 our context. Um, a bond servant many times was a person who would willingly go into uh, servitude in order to learn a skill. There were many times that people would be uh, without a family or without um, maybe they just didn't have a future financially, and so they would willingly in, in, enslave themselves, if I can say it that way, to a wealthy family because they knew when they did that they would learn a trade and they would learn a skill. Um, it's sort of like pe there are people that will enter the army and they don't love the army, but they know if I go to the army. I'm going to get an education, and I might learn a skill, and so when I come out of the army, I'm going to be better for it. Uh, and this was kind of the same thing. In some ways, people would, would 
enslave themselves so that they could learn a skill or a trade. So many times in the Roman Empire, people who were trained in the way of law or medicine were people who had been former slaves. So these wealthy Romans, um, they didn't want to do anything for themselves. So they would have gardeners and they would have maids and they'd have cooks, but then they also had people that would do all the other stuff for them. They're lawyers and things like that. And so they would train people in these skills. And then once they left that household, they could have a job that they could raise up their family and do those kind of things. So when we think of a bond servant, um, again, it wasn't like you were just an employee. You were in. If you go into the army, you don't wake up one day and go, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, no, I don't think so. You're in, right? You're committed to this thing. And in, the, in the same way, it was like that as a bond servant. Once you're committed, you're in until you were out. And many of the former bond servants would marry into the family. So it wasn't like it, there was the same conditions we think of when we think of slavery. So when we see bondservant here, think more in our context of the phrase employees. So it says employees, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. And so it's saying to us today, if you work at a job and you've got a boss who you think is horrible, we obey them, we submit to them, we, we honor them. We go, but Mel, he's a jerk. Yeah. Remember what I said earlier, sometimes God puts um, bad leaders in our life so that we can help them. Sometimes he puts them in our lives so that we can become something we need to become. He, he shapes us and knocks off the rough edges because of a, a difficult leader in our lives. But God has placed them there for a specific reason. And what we have to do is go, okay, God, I don't know about this situation. I don't, I'm uncomfortable with it, but I'm going to submit to this. I'm going to trust this situation. It says, as you would Christ. So obey an earthly master. And then in the last part it says, as you would Christ. So we pretend like we're serving Christ. We don't give our boss their best, our best, because they deserve it. We give our boss the best because Christ deserves it. I know you'd be excited about that. Do I feel bad for you if you serve in a bad job? Absolutely. I hate that. But we give our best no matter what. That's what we do as bond servants. Bond servants don't get a choice. Verse 6 says this, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Um, he says, we don't just act good when the boss is around. Has anybody ever been in a workplace where the quality of work got five levels better whenever the boss was present? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because Luke is the boss, that's why. <laughs> he knows that. We've all been there before. There's a commercial I saw the other day where um, there's a, this office, all these cubicles, and the phone rings, and she says, oh, Mr. Jensen, oh, I'm sorry to hear you're not coming into work today. And everyone in the office stands up with their golf bag, and she said, oh, but you're going to teleconference in for the meeting. And then everybody sits down, and she says, oh, but you're going to do that. And, you, and so everybody gets up, and they all leave when they find out the boss is not coming. And that's kind of the mentality we have a lot of times. If I'm being watched, then I'm going to act better. If I'm not being watched, then all bets are off. And what we have to understand is our boss might not be there to see us, but what we need to do is submit ourselves to Christ as if we're being watched all the time. Our heart has to be invested in it in the same way that, uh, that we're invested in our relationship with Christ. We do that from our heart. Um, Galatians 1.10 says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or God? So he said, am I trying to make man happy or am I trying to make God happy? 
He says, if I were still ple- trying to please man, I would not be the servant of Christ or the bond servant of Christ. He see, in, in Roman times, bond servants did things regular Romans typically didn't do or the higher, higher class Romans didn't do. Um, they would do jobs that many Romans were embarrassed to be seen doing. And, and so what Paul is saying here is, who am I trying to please? Am I trying to make the people around me happy? Am I trying to impress them? Or am I trying to impress God? Why do I care what these people think? At the end of the day, uh, why would I care what these people think? Really, a bondservant only does what their master tells them to do. And I've got one master, and that's what he's saying. So who are we trying to impress? Who are we trying to make happy? Paul says as a bondservant, there's only one person we can make happy, and that's our master. Ephesians 6, 7 says this, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man. Remember, we're not working for our boss. We're working for the Lord. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. We see here, whether they're bondservant or free, he's breaking down social classes, and he says none of that stuff matters. See, in Rome, it mattered. A bondservant or a freed slave couldn't hold public office. There were certain things they couldn't do, um, but but. They fell into this social class where they'd say, oh, a free man is above a a slave or a former slave. And what Paul is saying to the Ephesian church is there is none of that here. There's no uh, delineation between ethnicities. There's no delineation between social classes. Here in the body of Christ, under the blood of Christ, we are one. I love that. What a beautiful picture of, of what heaven is going to be like and what our churches should be like that in Christ, we are one. It doesn't matter if you're blue collar or white collar. It doesn't matter if you live in a, a mansion or a trailer house or whatever. None of that stuff matters. Nobody cares. Verse 9 says this Masters, do the same to them. So it talks about. It talks about employees, but it comes back and says masters. So employers, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So it says, hey, employers, some of you like to feel like a big man, right, because you're the boss and you like to hold things over your employees because you're tough and guess what? You think that you're their master, but you're not. I'm their master. And do you know who your master is? Me. That's what... God is saying through Paul to the Ephesian church that we all have the same master, that there is a level playing ground, that it doesn't matter where you're at on the flow chart or where you're at on the corporate ladder. At the end of the day, as brothers in Christ, there is no hierarchy. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11 says this, um, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. What he's saying is there is no hierarchy. See, when God sees us, when he assigns value, he doesn't see where we live, what we drive, what color our skin is. None of that stuff matters to God. He has assigned a high value, but we're the ones who see all the stuff that doesn't really matter. So what God is challenging us to do is this, to assign a high value to the people around us, to honor the people around us well, the way he does. And then the other thing he's challenging us to do is to submit to godly leadership well. And that's not fun. We've talked about submission the last couple weeks. Nobody likes it, but it's important. But these are pictures of our relationship with God. So what God is saying is, children, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents. What he's really saying is, yes, obey your parents, honor your father and mother, but, but obey your heavenly father and honor your heavenly father. 
He's saying, assign a high value to me. Realize who I am. And then he's talking about obeying our masters, obeying our bosses, and bosses, you know, taking care of your, your employees and your team. What he's really saying is, yes, honor and obey your boss like a bondservant would, but he's also saying, hey, in the same way, you're a bondservant of God. See, a bondservant doesn't have any say over what they do. They just do it. They don't get to say, this, this job is really, I don't know, it's below me. I wouldn't do that. Nope, a bondservant doesn't get a vote. A bondservant gets direction and then they go do it. And so, so what God's saying to us today is, um, are you willing to do whatever I'm asking you to do? Because if you're not, you're not really a bondservant. If not, you've got a different level of commitment than what you need to have. And I know that's not easy, that's hard, but it's true. Um, that's what he wants for us today. And he's not saying, um, this is what I want from you. This is what he's saying. He's saying, this is what I want for you. If your whole heart will be invested, it'll change everything. The happiest people I know in my life are the people who serve the most. And I don't just mean in our church, but the, the people who were living open-handedly and willing to give their time and money and their selves away, those are the people who have the most fulfillment and joy in their lives. I see it over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they're a bondservant to Christ. They say, I don't care about what anybody else says. I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is making my master happy. And that's where we come back to today. How are we valuing God? How are we honoring him? And, and are we making him happy? Are we truly living as bondservants saying, God, I don't even, I don't have a will anymore. My will is your will. What you want me to do, I'm going to do. No matter how difficult it might seem, no matter who might see me doing it, I'm willing to do it because I am a bondservant of Christ. Again, God's not asking this from you. He's, he's trying to do this for you. So let's pray together. God, I love you, and I'm so grateful that you love us, and I'm continually in awe, God, that you would love us, that you would care for us, and that in spite of us, you sent your son to die, to pay the price for our sins so that we could live, and I thank you for that. I'm asking today, God, that you'd help us um, just reassess our own hearts, God. Help us see where we're at, and God, if we're here today, and, and maybe Maybe we're not right with you. Maybe we have drifted. Maybe we're far. Maybe, maybe we've never even really been in a relationship with you. God, I pray that today you wouldn't bring condemnation or guilt or shame, but God, you just let your Holy Spirit gently draw us to you. God, I pray for those of us that are here that maybe we don't honor you the way we should. We don't assign a high enough value, or maybe the value we assign is, is contingent on our circumstances. God, I pray today that, that we would set all that stuff aside and see who you really are and, and, and value you for who you really are. And God, I pray that as we do that, we would value others around us the same way you do. God, I pray today, the Lord, you would help us, God. Some of us here deal with some difficult work situations. God, I pray that you'd help uh, those of us that are under leadership, submit to leadership well. God, help us to have a good relationship with our supervisors and bosses. And God, I pray for those that are supervisors and bosses or owners. God, I pray that you would help them today lead in a way that brings glory to you. But God, at the end of the day, I pray that we would submit to you 
best of all, that, Lord, our hearts would be submitted to you fully and wholly, that, God, anything you want from, from us, we're willing to give and lay down. So, God, I pray that we would hold nothing back from you because you have held nothing back from us. So, God, minister to us in these next few moments. And with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what, I'm not really walking with the Lord. I'm not really in relationship with Jesus. The truth is I'm not submitted to Christ but I want to be. I want him to have my whole heart. I want him to be in control. I want him to call the shots. And I want to invite him to do that today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not making you come forward. I just want to pray with you where you're at. So if you say to me today, Mel, I want to pray and make Jesus Lord of my life today. Would you be bold enough just to put your hand up real high where I can see it? And then you can put it right back down. Is there any? Thank you. Here in the center section. Thanks over here on my right. Thank you. Who else would join these and say, pray for me, Mel? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Thank you. Here in the center section, I see you. Praise God. Yeah, up in the balcony. I see you up there. You can put your hand down, man. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Who else? Who else would join these? Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. All right. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to pray this prayer with me out loud, with those that are praying this today. Say this out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying for my sins by dying on the cross. I'm asking today that you would take my life and use it for your glory. Help me never go back to my old ways or my old life or my old thinking. But from this day forward, I choose to follow you. Use my life in incredible ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a round of applause today for what he's doing in this place? Thank you, Lord. Listen, if you made that decision today, you responded. I just want you to know, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. And we want to help you take the next step in your spiritual journey, in your faith journey. And the simplest way that, that you can that we can help you is by simply taking this card out and see back in front of you. On one side, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. If you would fill out the side of the card that says salvation, fill it out. It'll take just about a minute and then drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. We're going to collect those and we'll get in touch with you uh, either tomorrow or the next day, reach out to you, connect you to resources, to relationships. They're going to help you grow in your faith. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in the room, but you can't quite reach one of these cards. If you would, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555 888. When you do that, we respond back to you and we're going to help you take the next step in your faith journey. And this is what's going to happen right now. These guys are going to lead us in one final song. We're going to worship together. And, and my prayer is that as we worship, we will assign a high value to God. We're going to honor God for who he really is as we worship together. And while we're singing and worshiping, our prayer team is going to come up. They'll be available on either side of the stage. So if you need prayer for any reason at all today, before you leave, find one of our prayer team members. So as we begin to sing, step out from your seat and find one of our team. Let them agree with you in prayer. And then in just a moment, when we finish singing, Pastor Todd Stanley is going to close us out and dismiss us in uh, in, in uh, prayer today. We'll close out and be finished up and then you can go on your way. But guys, I tell you this often. I love you more than you know and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. Stand to your feet. Let's worship together one more time.